0: What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Clips Convo Show, a podcast by the Sporting Tribune where we break down everything you need to know about the LA Clippers. I'm your host, Joey Lynn, and I'm super excited to be back with you because the last time I was on here, the Clippers were coming off of a four game losing streak. And I said, by the next time I hop on this pod, they should have at least put together a three and one stretch, if not, A four and 0 stretch. And as I'm sitting here talking to you right now, the Clippers are fresh off of a three and one stretch. They won three in a row to start that. They had a little mini road trip in Texas, came back home, won that game at home, or actually, excuse me, the, the first game was at home against Houston. Then they went on the mini road trip to Texas, won both of those games, then came back home yesterday, dropped one, unfortunately, to the Utah Jazz, but it was still a very successful 3 and one stretch in between the last podcast and this podcast. If you're just joining us for the first time, if you have not listened to this podcast before, it's only episode three, so uh, you haven't missed a whole lot. But part of what we want to do is break down the games that have happened since the last podcast episode and preview the games that are going to happen in between this episode and the next episode. Right now, I'm recording every Monday, so every single Monday you get a new episode from me. And on a day like today, where the Clippers play at 730, the goal is to get the episode out before the Clippers start, usually at least a few hours before the game starts, so that way you have an opportunity to hear my thoughts before the game begins. So going off of what I just said, we want to break down the games that have happened since we last spoke. And it was a three-in-one stretch, a very successful three-in-one stretch. While it wasn't, as PG called it, the, uh, I think he called it uh, the, the powerhouses of the league or something like that. Um, the heavy hitters, something like that. I forget the word that he used, uh, but he said the Clippers aren't exactly playing the top dogs in the NBA right now. No disrespect to the players and the opponents that they've been playing but it has not been the top teams in the league. So the Clippers had to take care of business, especially considering they had dropped some games that they really had no business losing at the beginning of the year. So they had two games against the Houston Rockets. One was at home, and then they went to Texas to play Houston and San Antonio. Then they came back home and played Utah last night. Now, if you look at just the record, you see three and one, you feel pretty good about that. Because like I said, that was like the minimum that they needed to have was 3-1, and 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 if you would have asked me, I don't think I actually mentioned it on the last podcast, but if you were to have asked me, Joey, which game do they drop, if they do end up dropping a game, I would have said probably the Utah one. Wouldn't have said that before the season started because you look at the Utah Jazz, they were not supposed to be one of the better teams in the Western Conference, and they'll probably come down to earth eventually, whether that's intentionally by the front office making a trade or whether that's just, you know, law of averages kind of bringing them back down to earth. But I would have said probably the Utah Jazz because they are playing arguably the best basketball in the Western Conference right now. The best basketball in the NBA, maybe outside of the Milwaukee Bucks. They have been absolutely fantastic. The Cavs as well. So, probably the third best uh, team in the NBA so far to start the year behind Milwaukee and Cleveland. They have been absolutely dominant so far to start the season. Nobody can really figure out why, but it just is what it is. So, the Clippers dropped that game last night, but they had won three in a row prior to that. And the main reason why was Paul George delivering on his promise and coming through and being better. He actually won Western Conference Player of the Week just a few minutes before I hopped on to record this. It was announced that he had received those honors and very much deserved. He was absolutely fantastic this week. Uh, It was something the Clippers needed him to do, and it was something that he knew the Clippers needed him to do. He was a little bit under the weather. Uh, Obviously, he missed that first game in OKC because he was a little bit sick. And then the next three games after that, which happened to be the three games after his 40 piece in Sacramento, he was really poor. I tweeted it out. He was just over 13 points per game during that stretch. And obviously with Kawhi Leonard out, that's not sustainable. That's not something that the Clippers can survive with. So he vowed in the locker room to be better. He said, I have been poor. I'm committed to my work. I'm committed to this team succeeding. And all he did was put together together a stretch of four games, where he averaged 33 points per contest and took home player of the week honors. It was an absolute masterpiece of a week from Paul George. And for better or for worse, they don't win those three games if he doesn't play like that. It's probably a little bit concerning because, like I mentioned at the beginning, these aren't the heavy hitters in the Western Conference. This isn't exactly a stretch of play where the Clippers are, are playing some of the better teams. So for them to need monster performances from Paul George uh, to to beat the Houstons and the San Antonios of the world. Perhaps a little bit concerning at this point with Kawhi Leonard being out, but hey, you find a way to win whatever way you can. When Kawhi Leonard is out, that is going to be the story of this Clippers team. Uh, it was the story of the Clippers last year. Unfortunately, a lot of that season was, out, was without Paul George as well. So this Clippers group knows that they need to find a way to win, and as of right now, uh, the main way they're doing that is through heroics from Paul George. And that kind of leads me into... What we saw last night, uh, perhaps some people were a little bit upset with the shot selection down the stretch. Uh, Paul George missed quite a few threes down the stretch. He started off, I believe, four of six from deep, ended up like four of 14 or or something like that, five of 14, I believe it was. Uh, So it was not exactly an efficient night from deep for him, but it was an efficient night from the field. He did shoot 50%. uh, 34 of his points came on, I believe, 11 of 22 from the field. So it was an efficient night from the field overall, but... Uh, He missed all of his threes in the fourth quarter, and the Clippers desperately needed some of those to go down. But I think it was just a matter of of two real main things him just getting a little bit tired because of how much he had had to carry, not only in that game, but in the prior three games as well. And then also, too, you know, people will say, oh, hero ball, he doesn't, you know, need to step up and and try to force it. Who else is going to step up? If you look at that game last night, what other player was going to step up and make a big shot down the stretch? Marcus Morris was great in the first half, but he could not buy a bucket late in the game. Uh, Reggie Jackson ended up missing about the last half of the game because he bumped knees with somebody. Uh, John Wall, of course, brought a spark off the bench, but uh, he's not exactly, at this point in his career, the type of player you're going to throw the ball to in the fourth quarter and say, go win us a ball game. Norm Powell has struggled a lot to start the year, and we're actually going to get into him later in the episode. So for the people who are saying, You know, Paul George, pass the ball, get your teammates involved. You don't have to do it all yourself. On a night like last night, uh, he kind of does. He kind of does have to do it all himself. And uh, he had the last three games. So you live and you die by the shots that he's going to take. And I feel as if on more nights than not, he's going to make them. So I had no problem with the way that he approached that fourth quarter. He's been their guy without Kawhi Leonard out, not just this season, but last season and in the playoffs the year before that. So you live and you die by Paul George, and more times than not, you're going to live. So I was completely fine with that. He led them to a 3-1 and stretch without Kawhi Leonard. You feel pretty good about that. They're sitting at an even 500 on the season. But looking at their next three games, the three games that are going to happen in between this podcast episode and the next podcast episode, they're starting to face a little bit more talent. That's going to be starting with Cleveland here tonight. I'm very excited to see this Cleveland team. I was super high on what they were going to be able to do this season. I'm a big Donovan Mitchell fan. I think he is fantastic. We've seen him in the playoffs. I mean, just be an absolute monster. I think that's one of my favorite things about Donovan Mitchell is that he is a big game player. That guy has proven the ability throughout his career to step up when it matters most. And you're seeing that with Cleveland right now. They made a big trade To bring him in, everybody thought he was going to the Knicks, but instead Cleveland said, you know what? We have a solid young core. Let's bring in another young piece that is an all NBA level talent and see what we can do. And uh, so far, just one loss on the season for Cleveland. They have been fantastic. So that's who the Clippers have tonight. And I hate saying this, but if you were to just look at this game on paper, it feels like a schedule loss. However, the Clippers over the last couple of seasons have overcome several schedule losses and found ways to win despite that. But if you look at this matchup on paper, you're going against the second hottest team in basketball, second to only the undefeated Milwaukee Bucks, and you're likely going to be doing it. The injury report hasn't come out yet, but... From what I have gathered, the Clippers are probably going to be without Kawhi Leonard, Luke Kennard, John Wall, and potentially Reggie Jackson as well. And obviously, Musa Diabate, Jason Preston, uh, those two guys are, have been kind of questionable with their G League assignments and things of that nature. But if, if uh, Reggie can't go, I'd imagine Preston would be active. Um, not that the Clippers would, would go to him to start or anything, but you definitely need a little bit more depth in your backcourt. So the Clippers are going to be entering this game uh, incredibly shorthanded. It's tough right now uh, with what they've been dealing with, just simply with Kawhi's situation. But then you got Luke's situation. I'll give you guys uh, the minor update on Luke that I was able to gather yesterday. Uh, They're not really able to say a whole lot about his situation right now. I don't know exactly why the team has to be uh, so tight-lipped about not just this uh, Luke situation, but also Kawhi and other injuries that we've seen over the last several years. The Clippers are just not uh, all that transparent for whatever the reasons are. Uh, But Luke came out of that game in San Antonio early, believing only played about nine minutes with what the team called chest discomfort. And that's obviously a very vague, very broad term. Uh, You don't know if that, if that's muscular, if that means he like, you know, strained uh, a chest muscle or if it was breathing problems, nobody, really knew at the time and and, and nobody still really knows uh tyloo was asked before the game yesterday and uh he said that that luke's feeling all right but you know the team still has to run run a few more tests uh and and be able to clear him uh in that way that's kind of the way tyloo put it that, you know there's still some more tests that need to be ran and you hear that you know a little bit concerning right like you know chest issues you know gotta run tests like what's going on here uh, but i actually saw luke um, before the game, right outside of the locker room, was able to talk to him again. He wasn't able to disclose uh, anything of 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 real significance, but he did say he's feeling fine. Um, and it was good to see him. Seemed like he was in good spirits. He was on the bench uh, during the game, cheering the team on. So I think he's he's all right. It's just a, a matter of extreme precaution, uh, like we've seen the Clippers have with really all of their players over the last uh, couple of seasons, uh, specifically since they got Kawhi. So I wouldn't be too concerned about Luke in terms of like this potentially being a long-term thing. Don't believe that's the case. Uh, But he will probably, if I were to have to guess, be out for this game against Cleveland, joining at least Kawhi Leonard and John Wall uh, on the bench because John Wall can't play back-to-backs. Kawhi is still not ready to return. And then potentially Reggie Jackson will be joining that group as well because he banged knees in yesterday's game. Uh, We saw him in the locker room with like this, electronic, uh, I don't even know if he called it a brace, but he had something on his knee and he was kind of limping around a little bit. So uh, not exactly optimistic about his status, but that is tonight's game against Cleveland. And the Clippers will have the day off tomorrow and then host the Lakers on Wednesday. Now, if you were to have asked me even just a few days ago, about a week or so ago, you know, Joey Clips got the Lakers coming up. How are you feeling? I would have said automatic W in the left-hand column. You know, chalk it up right now. But the Lakers are playing better basketball. Since they have moved Russell Westbrook to the bench, uh, they look like a different team. He looks like a different player. Uh, he is rejuvenated right now, re-energized. And props to Russ, man. He didn't want to get moved to the bench, uh, but he's accepted that role and he's thrived in that role. And it's made the Lakers a better team. It hasn't resulted in many more wins. Uh, but you can tell they are a different team right now. They are not the pushover that they have been Uh, you know, the first week of the season, the second week of the season is, has provided a a reason for a lot more optimism surrounding the Lakers. So this is not just a game the Clippers can walk into and expect to win uh, without bringing the appropriate effort. You saw it on opening night. They had Kawhi Leonard. They had John Wall. Uh, One of the few times this season, the Clippers were actually fully healthy, which is crazy to say we're 10 games into the season and they're already dealing with this extensive injury report, but uh they really didn't play their best and the Lakers almost got him. They, they game game came down to the wire. So clips will have to be locked in uh, for that game against the Lakers. And then they have the Brooklyn nets on Saturday, which is <laughs> in my eyes. They're kind of the Lakers of the East where they have all this top end talent or like theoretical top end talent. But it's just an absolute mess. Um, you know, you got Ben Simmons, who's not playing uh, Kyrie Irving, who's currently suspended. We all know why. And then you got Kevin Durant is going out there trying to play hero ball every night. And he's actually done that uh, over the last couple of games. He's he's done uh, the hero ball thing and actually won him a couple ball games. Uh, so the Clippers will have to have the right intensity for that game as well. Who knows if Kyrie or Simmons will be playing. Uh, I don't believe so. I think that wouldn't even be five games yet for Kyrie, but it wasn't just like a five-game suspension they gave him. There was like a list of things that the Nets said he has to get done uh, before he can rejoin the team. So wouldn't expect to see Kyrie, but I'd imagine KD would be good to go. Perhaps Simmons, not exactly sure. He's playing tonight, so I would imagine he should be ready to go for that game. Uh, So that's kind of the preview of these next three games. You're facing a little bit more talent, not necessarily teams that are you know, gonna be competing for a title. Maybe Cleveland. Honestly, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if Cleveland was like an Eastern Conference Finals contender. Uh at this point, it looks like them and Milwaukee should be the favorites for that, right? Uh so they're they're tough. But when you're looking at the Lakers and and looking at the Nets, uh, there's some teams with some top-end talent that could probably get you on any night. Um, uh, but not exactly teams that are they're really expect to be in the tier that the Clippers expect to be in uh right now with some of the things that they've been dealing with. So that's the next three. For the Clippers, we have now recapped their previous four the games that have happened between last Monday and this Monday. Three and one stretch for the Clips, and we have previewed the three that will happen in between this episode and the next episode. Looking at those three games, I will say the Clippers should go three and zero or two and one. But now moving on to what we really do on this show, let's break down conversation topics around the LA Clippers. We are Clips Combos, as the name suggests, we break down conversation topics around the LA Clippers and uh, the way this team has gone the last several seasons there is no shortage of conversation topics I figured I'll just start with uh, perhaps what everybody else is is waiting for actually no kidding we just got the injury report right now the official injury report let's see here Kawhi and Waller out and Luke and Reggie are questionable. So about what I predicted, Uh, Kawhi and Wall are both out. That was announced already. Uh, Luke and Reggie are questionable. I I anticipated Luke uh, being out, but it's good to hear that he's questionable, meaning that he's uh, at least received an upgrade uh, in his status from last game. But uh, excuse me, sorry for the uh, interruption there, but I suppose it's relevant. Um, Yeah, so let me just double check and make sure that's it. Yeah, nothing about Musa or Preston, so perhaps with the Clippers being thin, uh, with with guys being down, perhaps they'll be active. So anyways, what I was going to start on before we actually got a pretty relevant interruption there from the injury report dropping was the Kawhi Leonard situation. The Kawhi Leonard situation is something that, of course, uh, everybody wants more clarity on. Everybody wants to know what is going on with this dude. Is he? Is this serious? Is this long-term? Is this just extra precaution? Does he want to play and the team's not letting him? It, it, what's, what's going on? And as somebody who is in the locker room every day, at every practice, at every game, talking to players, talking to coaches, I wish I had a better answer for you. I wish I could say, here's what's going on. But unfortunately, I don't have those answers. And I think that's by design. Uh, The Clippers, as I've mentioned, have been very tight-lipped about uh, their players and their injury situations over the last several seasons, specifically with Kawhi Leonard, some fans were frustrated last season that it felt as if the team knew all along that he was never going to be returning, Uh, but they never officially ruled him out until really the season ended and uh, he didn't play. So now fans are kind of getting a little bit of a a flashback to last season where they're thinking, is this going to be one of those situations where they just keep stringing us along saying, you know, he's progressing well, making progress, and then we don't ever see him again. I don't think that's the case uh Om Young Mazook who is a uh, ESPN reporter that covers the Clippers he's also at every game every practice in the locker room talking to people uh, he's more plugged in than I am uh, way more plugged in than I am he's at everything but he he definitely has more connections than I do uh has said that he believes the sense currently is that Kawhi has avoided a major setback and avoided a major injury this is just uh from what man, I talked about on the last podcast episode, not a doctor, don't have any real experience from this, but from what I've read from people much smarter than me and from what Owen was kind of getting at is this is something that uh, the Clippers not necessarily expected, uh, but weren't exactly shocked by. Because when a player comes back from a long ACL absence, some tightness, some stiffness, some discomfort is not exactly uncommon. So that's apparently what Kawhi Leonard is dealing with right now. They are still ruling him out with what they're calling injury management. I almost wish they would change that and say that it's it's knee tightness uh, because that injury management term is what teams use for, it's like the new load management term. NBA wanted to kind of do away with load management. They felt as if it was inappropriate because it sounds as if like players are, are healthy and sitting out. Uh, so now injury management is the term that's used for players who rest on back-to-backs, uh, usually players that have, Ah, uh, either pre-existing injuries or, or have legitimate injury history. They use injury management to, you know, put on the injury report and and say why they're not going to be playing. So that's what Kawhi is still being listed out as, or I suppose being listed out with. But uh, it's not exactly the most accurate term in my eyes because uh, injury management uh, certainly, as the season began, did not. At least I don't believe so. Uh, expect to include eight of the first 10 games uh, now, nine of the first 11 for Leonard. So it's, it's one of those situations where uh, the team is, is just going uh, kind of by the protocol that they have been going by the last several seasons. We asked Ty Lu every single day. Uh, how is Kawhi doing? Uh, when can you guys expect him back? And his answer has remained the same. They're taking it day by day. He says Kawhi is progressing well, but as of yesterday, coach Lou said, there is no timetable for his return so that kind of settles that there's not a whole lot more we could ask uh, in terms of what's going on with Kawhi Lou said he has been doing some individual work which is of course uh, encouraging to hear I suppose although we don't exactly know what that consists of Uh, we've seen him on the bench I saw him yesterday at shoot around he didn't do anything but he was there so that's kind of the Kawhi update I apologize that it's not very significant but uh, that just is what it is for right now Getting onto the basketball court now, want to look at a few different things. The Clippers are five and five right now. And, you know, perhaps if you would have told me at the beginning of the season that, you know, the Clippers are going to be without Kawhi Leonard for eight of the first 10 games, Paul George is going to miss one because he has a non COVID related illness. Luke Kennard's gonna miss multiple games because he has chest discomfort. John Wall's not gonna be playing back to backs. Uh, you know, other guys are gonna be banged up. Robert Covington's gonna go into health and safety. Like Joey, what do you got for their first ten games? I would have said, you know, if you get out of that at five hundred, you probably feel pretty good. Um, and with the teams the Clippers have been playing. You know, you would like for them to be a little bit above 500, but hey, man, it just is what it is with the hand that they've been dealt right now. So that is what's going on uh, currently. But again, I want to look at some of the on the basketball court trends and some of the things that I believe need to be addressed. And the first of these is their shooting. What is going on with the Clippers shooting? They have been one of the best shooting teams in basketball over the last couple of seasons. Two seasons ago, they were not just one of the best, but the best, like historically great from deep just a couple of seasons ago. And now all of a sudden, what is going on with the Clippers And they're shooting. It seems as if they are just struggling to make wide open threes. They are last in the NBA in points per game. I believe they're second to last in offensive rating. You know what? Let me just say, I believe, let me look it up. I got the stats in front of me. No reason to just guess here. Yeah, the Clippers are second to last in offensive rating right now. Just 0.3 points per 100 possessions better than the Lakers. I guess Los Angeles is where offenses go to die because the two LA teams have the worst. Uh, offensive ratings in basketball right now. Lakers 0.3 worse than the Clippers, but 103 points per 100 possessions. Yikes for the Clippers so far to start the year. It uh, does not look good because they are uh, struggling right now offensively. And a lot of that has to do with their three-point shooting. They are not exactly lighting it up from deep. I'll pull those numbers up right now as well. Uh, the Clippers are 26th in the NBA in three-point percentage, shooting just 32% from deep. This is a team that set records from downtown just two seasons ago, and the personnel is really not all that much different. And I got a good question in my DMs the other day, and uh, on that point, if you guys have ever have any questions for me, anything you want me to break down on the pod, uh, anything you would like to hear, Show me a message. Let me know what you guys uh, would like to hear on here, and I'm always open to that. But I got a great question the other day, and uh, somebody asked me, Joey, what's going on with the shooting? Do you just think it's a matter of, like, they're not generating the same looks that they have the last two seasons, or are they just missing the looks that they're getting? And I dove into the numbers, and the answer is a little bit of both. Last season, the Clippers were 28th in wide-open three-point attempts, so they didn't generate a whole lot of wide-open threes, but they knocked down 42.7% of their wide-open three-point attempts. This season, the Clippers are dead last in the NBA in wide-open three-point attempts, which is a little bit concerning, but you look at last year and you say, okay, well, they were 28th, weren't exactly good then either, but they made them. You'd say, Joey, they're making them though, right? Not exactly. Last season, they shot 42.7% on their wide-open threes. This season, just 33.7% on their wide-open threes. That is almost a 10% drop-off with almost the exact same personnel. Now, if you were to ask me, Joey, is that concerning? I would say it's probably more of the opposite. I would say that's actually kind of encouraging. Not that they're not making shots, but that I can't imagine that clip holds up. The law of averages will have to come into play at some point because these aren't any different than the shots they were getting last year. You could go on NBA.com, filter out wide open threes, and they are for whatever reason only hitting 33.7% of their wide open three-point attempts. So what that tells me is that they are due for their offense to really start to pick it up. Of course, that's going to be contingent on John Wall and Kawhi Leonard playing on a more full-time basis, but even when those two guys are in and out of the lineup, or in the case of Kawhi, just out of the lineup, the Clippers have the personnel to, at a minimum, knock down wide-open threes. That's something they haven't done well this year, but something that I believe they will figure out. Now, moving forward beyond just the team shooting, there are some other concerns to look at uh, right now with this team. And, and one of them, and I don't want to try to pin all of the Clippers' problems on one player because that is not the case. Um, but if you were to look at, at probably the most disappointing player to start the season, it's definitely been Norman Powell. And I don't mean that to say that he's not uh, going to be able to turn things around and, and he's been a disappointment. That's not, want to make that clear. Uh, Norm Powell, I don't believe is going to turn out to be a disappointment for the Clippers. He was too good last year. He's been too good throughout his career, but uh, he definitely has had a disappointing start to the year by his standards, and he would probably tell you that uh, Norm has has offensively not been uh, the efficient scorer that we have seen him be throughout the course of his career, and when that is happening, he doesn't give you any resistance defensively, so it makes him a, a very negative player out there on the court. And again, I'm not trying to pile on Norm and say he's the reason the Clippers have gotten off to a five and five start, but there are some concerning numbers to look at right now as it pertains to Norman Powell to start the season. He was starting alongside Reggie Jackson because Kawhi Leonard was, of course, coming off the bench and Norm was really the most logical uh, piece to plug into that starting group while Kawhi was still working his way back. Well, the duo of Reggie Jackson and Norman Powell so far this season has posted a negative 30.5 net rating, meaning that per 100 possessions, they are getting outscored by almost 31 points when they're on the court together. That duo, and again, I said this on my last podcast, I don't think team ratings, you can put too much stock into them for the first 10 games. I believe this is not enough sample size. To really put like a significant level of stock into team ratings, but when you see a number like this, that is drastic, and I don't believe it's it's really that much of an outlier. I don't think the this ten game sample size, you know, perhaps we can come back in another ten games and I'll be proven wrong, but I don't exactly believe this ten game sample size is a coincidence. That duo cannot play together, at least not for extended minutes, because as of right now. Neither one of them are performing offensively the way that you would expect them to, and you don't expect really anything from either one of them defensively. So because of that, you're just getting this one big negative combination with these two players, and it's concerning. And when it comes to Norman Powell, it's unfortunately not just the combination with Reggie Jackson that has been concerning. Let me pull up the numbers again real quick for you so I can take a better look. So far, Norman Powell, if you look at the two-man groups with him, and I think that's fun to look at. Again, I don't put too much stock in the team ratings early in the season, but I do believe this is interesting to look at. Sometimes I like to look at two-man lineups because I like to see, okay, if this player plays with this player, how, how is the team doing? And if this player plays with that player, how is the team doing? With Norman Powell so far, of all the players that he's played at least 30 minutes with. And I'm going to count it right now. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Seven. So he's played almost 30 minutes with about 10 different players right now to start the season. The only two-man group from those 10 combinations that has a positive net rating is Norman Powell and Luke Kennard. And I'm going to get into Luke in a minute because I think he's been one of the best players on the team to start the season. But you look at the two-man groups that Norman Powell has played the most with. It's Zoo, it's PG, it's Reggie, it's Nico, it's Marcus. The two-man group of Powell and Zoo has a negative 18.7 net rating. Powell and PG, negative 13.1. Powell and Reggie, of course, negative 30.5. already talked about that. Powell and Batum, negative 21.3. Powell and Morris, negative 14.1. Powell and Wall, negative 23.3 to get Luke in there plus 3.4 and then pal and man negative 32.1 it, it's just up and down the the team up and down the roster Enormous, is just he's tanking these lineups for whatever the reason is right now and I, like I said I think I kind of know it's just his offense isn't really where it needs to be and his defense uh, is just not exactly um, stellar on that end so it's tough for the Clippers right now and these aren't just like negative net ratings these are like you're getting killed in these minutes Um, and it's it's tough because I like norm and I think it was a fleecing of a trade to get him for the package that the Clippers sent out and I do think eventually similar to the point I made about the Clippers shooting he'll come around offensively he's too good of a basketball player too good of an offensive talent to continue struggling the way he has to start the season but what I wouldn't expect to really improve a whole lot of is his defense that's kind of who he's been throughout the course of his career But when he's scoring at an incredibly efficient rate, you know, you deal with that. And the Clippers have on paper the personnel to kind of survive those minutes when Norm Powell is out there uh, not exactly staying in front of his man at an elite level. So that's something to keep an eye on. I don't believe there's a, a real fix for the Clippers right now because you're paying Norman Powell a lot of money. Um, He's he's really supposed to be like your third guy on this team. A lot of people talk about John Wall being that third guy, but just looking over the last several seasons, what Norman Powell has done, he projects to be that third guy. So he will turn it around. I completely believe that. I am not out on Norm in any way, shape, or form. But I just wanted to point out that trend that I found I uh, when looking at some statistics and I believe the eye test kind of affirms that as well. It's always, it's always important to kind of combine those two things. I um, mean, right now, Norm, unfortunately doesn't look great. And the numbers affirm that he has not been great, but moving on from him, as I mentioned, he had a positive net rating with Luke Kennard because Luke has just been, he's been special this year, man. And it's, it's funny. You wouldn't really know it if you just looked at box scores because uh, he's not getting a whole lot of touches which I think the Clippers need to do a better job of getting him involved offensively, even if that means getting him on the ball. Uh, I think that's something that they should experiment with a little bit more, especially with games you know that John Wall is out or games that Reggie doesn't have it. I think you should put the ball in his hands a little bit more. We saw him uh, a make a lot in Detroit, uh, did it in college. We've seen some glimpses of it with the Clippers. The dude is a player, man. He has a real ability to do more than just shoot the basketball. But looking at the two-man combinations with Luke Kennard and other players on the Clippers, he's played over 100 minutes now with three different players, over 80 with five different players. And, man, these combinations are looking good. So far to start the season, the player that Luke Kennard has played the most with is Paul George. I think that's a very important combination to look at because, of course, Paul George is, as of right now, your best player. That combination in 117 minutes has a plus 18.3 net rating, meaning they are beating their opponents by over 18 points per 100 possessions when Luke Kennard and Paul George are on the court together. And defensively, that duo has been stifling 94.4 defensive rating for those two in the 117 minutes that they've been on the court together. Offensive rating 112.8. They have been so, so good. As a duo, and that's not new. I can probably go back and find one of my old articles talking about the impact that Luke Kennard makes. But man, the Clippers have to find a way to one, now get him healthy, hopefully he's all right. But two, once he gets back, keep him on the floor, get him more involved, because what we've seen from him so far this year, and I broke it down in a video on Twitter not that long ago, is not just his three-point shooting, but he's giving you a little bit of everything right now. Uh, the Clippers are 3-0 and in the games that he started, Unfortunately, uh, he did not start or play in their last game. Hopefully he can get back soon. But his rebounding has been much improved. His defense has been much improved. His attack, especially when uh, he gets closed out on hard, have been really timely and really efficient. Uh, His playmaking, you have seen improvements there. And I I say improvements, but really in all honesty, it's just an increased uh, responsibility for Luke. It's not something that you know, he didn't have the ability to do before. He's just now getting the opportunity to do it. He has been huge for the Clippers. And a big reason why Norm Powell has a positive net rating with Luke is because Luke has just been so, so good. Now, as we start to wrap things up, I want to hit on one more major topic and something that I actually hit on during the last episode. But I want to talk about it again right now because I think it's that relevant. When you're looking at the Clippers, they, of course, don't have a major uh, backup center option right now. They have Moses Brown, who came in, gave the team solid minutes. They have Musa Diabate, who's a rookie. But in terms of somebody that they feel comfortable relying on against most opponents, they don't have that right now. But in the absence of a true backup center, they have gotten a dominant Evita Zubac. He has been absolutely fantastic to start the season. I believe he should be firmly in the conversation for one of the two all-defense teams because he has anchored a Clippers defense that, with Kawhi Leonard out, does not have the personnel to be as good as they have been defensively to start this season. I'm going to pull up the stats right now. Uh, They probably are a little bit inflated from the game uh, last night. Wasn't exactly the best defensive showing from the Clippers. Zoo was still good, but it just wasn't exactly the best defensive game for the Clippers. But, hey, you look at their team ratings. They are fourth in the NBA, in defense right now. This is a team that is missing Kawhi Leonard, one of the best defenders of his generation. They are fourth in defensive rating right now to start the season. I believe so much of that credit goes to Big Zoo. And again, this is the same with individual net ratings. We're already said 10 games isn't a big enough sample size. I don't think the Clippers can sustain a top four defense uh, without Kawhi Leonard. Um, especially with the lack of point of attack resistance that they have, but I want to give another big shout out to Big Zoo because he has held it down. Without him, I mean, I think the Clippers could easily be three and seven, two and eight right now through their first ten games if it wasn't for Zoo. Dude has gotten a lot of of hate from I don't know, say hate, but you know he's had some doubters within the fan base over the last several seasons. He's had some doubters within the fan base over the last few seasons, and he has proven this year. That he was really just a bigger role away from from being this guy, from being an all defense level talent. So I wanted to shout out Big Zoo before I wrap things up because that will pretty much do it for this episode. I, I was really excited to break down the last uh, four games because as I was going into that last episode, it was kind of a <laughs> not exactly a happy vibe because the Clippers had lost four games in a row. And I said, guys, the next time I talk to you, the Clippers are gonna be. On a three and one stretch, if not four and zero, and they got us that three and one. And looking at their next three games, feel pretty good about those as well. So I want to thank you guys all so much for listening. It's been so much fun being able to just break down Clippers basketball with you guys. I mean, it's really just a dream come true for me. Um again, I'm not gonna do this every episode where I thank you know you guys for you know sticking with me for you know this whole journey. I don't need to do that every time, but you guys know how I feel about uh, the support that I've been given. It, it means the world to me. I'm having so much fun this year doing this and and doing some of the other things um that I've been you know blessed to be able to do. So I want to thank you guys so much for tapping in, especially if you've made it to this point in the episode. That is love. I appreciate that a ton. So it's been a lot of fun, you guys. as always, much love. Go Clippers.